Hello and uh, welcome to uh, Tim Solicitor's podcast. I'm going to introduce you to uh, Adrian Rose, who is a family lawyer of uh, 26 years experience and is also a trained family mediator of uh, 22 years experience. And one of the things we're going to be talking about today is dispute resolution. So we will be focusing on mediation. And I'll introduce you to my colleague Fiona Moffat, who is also a family solicitor of 41 years experience, and she's pulling a face at me now. And uh, Of course. Of course, why not? And Fiona is also a collaborative lawyer, and again, we'll be talking about that as a method of dispute resolution today too. I think perhaps if we set the scene okay. uh, as to uh, why it is that uh, alternative routes for family dispute resolution have been uh, have been worked on over the years, uh -huh. uh, some of it I think is to do with the delays in the court process, undoubtedly, the expense of the court process, certainly undoubtedly, uh, and perhaps um, because of the delay, allowing people perhaps to become too entrenched yeah. in their approaches. Yeah. And I think really that's where mediation does step in, isn't it? Because that's nearly always in the early stages, hopefully. Yeah. And again, it's something we'll touch on probably when we talk about all of these options. But again, timing is key. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of mediation then, Adrian, mm -hmm. so first of all, how did you become interested in it? Um, someone I used to work with or for said, I think you'd be good at this. Really? Why don't you have a go? Yeah. And I did. And I liked it. Yeah. And it's, I say, 20 odd years down the line. Yeah. So. And you, what kind of training do you have to do? Oh, at that stage, it was uh, sort of eight days residential split over um, a couple of months. So, uh, you know, coursework, homework, and go away down to big fancy London mm. to um, be talked to and trained about how to deal with clients in what was then a very different way of working. Mm. I mean, I think a lot of people are confused about the difference between mm. mediation and negotiation. Yeah. Perhaps you could sort of um, explain a bit more about how the mediation process works. Yeah. Well, if you think of the negotiation process, so it's probably the more traditional process. Each person would go to their own lawyer and the lawyer would explain their options to them, advise them as to what's best and so on and so on. And then we'd probably write lots of letters or have lots of phone calls between the two, talking to the clients as they went to try and help them settle whatever issues they wanted, whether it was children or money or a combination of the two. So hopefully that would always then result in a negotiated settlement that was reached between lawyers or perhaps between the clients themselves. The mediation route um, sort of again came across from the states as a lot of these new ideas do. Um, gosh, many, many, many years ago now, we sort of took it up probably 30 years ago, yeah. realistically over here, because even then the courts were snowed under, there were difficulties, people were becoming more worried about costs and were looking for other ways to resolve family disputes. Mm. So what we as mediators do is we work with the clients, the couple, together. Um, usually with one mediator in one room over a series of meetings where the clients set their own agenda, they bring the issues they want to, they keep control of the process. And the mediator's job is to help manage that process and to explain options to them to point them in the right direction where they can find other help and resources and to ultimately bring them into that wonderful um, middle bit of the Venn diagram where there is a solution that's obvious for their family to get them to 
a point where they can make a legally binding arrangement, whether that's themselves or via their solicitors again or via the family court having a proven arrangement. So there's no sort of fixed template as to how it would work then? It's sort of a bit more fluid than that? It's much more fluid, yeah. It, there are all sorts of different professional bodies um, that regulate mediation because people come to mediation from different areas. So there have been some psychotherapists, there have been some counsellors, there have been lawyers, now there are financial advisors to work in the area. And so we, we each bring different elements of expertise. Mm -hmm. Being a, a lawyer mediator, and as you sort of... Um, said at the top of this, having done this for a very, very long time, what I bring to it is that knowledge of what, not only how the family court works, but also what other clients and other families have found helpful to resolve disputes in their families. Mm. So as a mediator, I could say, other people found this helpful. Would you find it helpful? Mm. And help them work through the pitfalls, the advantages, and really, we say, reality test whatever it is they want to propose, so it works in their family. Mm. And if they can come to some form of agreement, that generally, because it's an agreement they've reached and invested in and worked together, that sticks. Mm. And people generally work with it, stick to it, abide by it. And even when mediation isn't entirely successful, so we don't resolve everything, or the couple don't resolve everything with, with a mediation, either they'll have resolved an awful lot of things or will have had skills and knowledge and insight into the other person's perspective to enable things to be or to feel better. Mm. So it's not only about the legal process and advising, although advising is the wrong word, perhaps educating and informing about what to expect, what's good and what's bad, pitfalls, mm. advantages, disadvantages, but also letting them move forward and move forward at a pace that they're comfortable with. Yeah, I guess as an outsider, I think it's it's um, quite obvious that you feel quite passionate about this, and you've obviously been doing it for twenty two years and twenty two years for a yeah. reason. Yeah, absolutely. You obviously think it works. Yeah, it works if it's the right family at the right time. Yes. Yeah. What about if people feel a bit overwhelmed in that process? Because I'm kind of reflecting, and in a minute we'll talk about collaborative, mm. uh, but I'm sort of reflecting on the fact that these are two individuals on their own with you. Yeah. And you've got to try and make sure there's a level playing field. Yeah, certainly. You've got to try and make sure that both people think they're being listened to. Yeah. Because some of that's quite important, even if it's just amount of time that you spend. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so what, what, how, do, how do you make sure that clients don't feel overwhelmed by that process and sort of pressure to arrive at a decision? Okay. Perhaps it would help if I explained that the mediation process is, is twofold. So before we actually start seeing them jointly so in in meetings together and i'll come mm. back to why that might not be appropriate in a little while we see them for an assessment meeting oh, Mo see. most people call it a myam so mediation information and assessment meeting so that's yes. the label lawyers and courts stick on things mm. but at that stage it's the mediator's job so my job if they see me to say look this is what to expect from the process mm. and it's like with any initial meeting with a client we form a relationship and hopefully they can begin to trust me and the process as I explain it and again go through what the advantages and disadvantages might be to any particular client, to any particular family, so that if they decide that mediation is something they both want to try because they both have to want to try yeah, it, yeah. it has to be a cooperative and consensual process, mm. 
and I think it's suitable because I have that role and they then come to see me together that they then know that they're going to get something out of the process and if you go back to what we said a little while ago about they form their agenda that's how we as mediators ensure that they have sufficient time to be heard so as part of that very first joint meeting we'll be saying to them okay this is the time we've got so the physical time normally an hour to an hour and a half what's important to discuss today how much time do you want to spend on each of these issues are you both comfortable with that and then we take it from there so they form their agenda generally it works there are cases where i'll get to touch on it perhaps in a few moments but where you don't see them in the same room but they are there at the same time so there's issues of safeguarding or fear of harm or intimidation that's more difficult for a mediator's point of view to manage because you can become trapped in longer discussions with one person than the other and they then do feel there's a perception of bias. And I'm kind of asking myself whether or not then that's a suitable case for mediation. It's not a bar to mediation. No. But you have to be much more careful when you're managing the mediation process to mm. establish not only that fairness and perception of fairness, but that each has the opportunity to be heard and have that balance. But also because they're not hearing the same thing at the same time from each other, mm. that you're not putting your interpretation on what they're saying to you when you're recounting what they've said to the other person. Because there can't be any secrets in mediation. It's got to be completely open, completely transparent. Mm. Yeah, It's I, tricky, but, it, yeah. but that's why we have this, let's say, this lengthy training and continuing development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, information... Yeah. To make sure that it is an even playing field yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, what would be expected by way of disclosure, for example, of financial information? Exactly the same as the court process. Mm. Yeah. Um, so whether, or the lawyer negotiation process. So what you've got. Mm. To, so make sure you have and can make fully informed decisions about financial futures. Mm. If that's separate, you need to know what there is. So lawyers and courts use this financial statement for me which is a template for everything you need. Mediators use or use it or a version of it. Yes. And that's the gold standard way of doing it. Yeah. In some families, that's not appropriate. Yeah. In some families, they're more comfortable in talking through what they've got, producing documents and answering questions for each other and the mediator. And the mediator summarising that for them. But we do need at least a base level to work for. How would it work if somebody was sort of intellectually challenged? You know, they were they had some sort of learning disability or something like that. Would that be suitable for mediation? Possibly. Mm. There's, again, no absolute bar. Mm. But, again, with support, whether that's from the mediator or with perhaps a third party to help them through the process, mm. then there's no reason why it couldn't happen. Mm. Yeah. And as long as the other person was comfortable with that, again, remember, it's a consensual process. Yes. Again, no, no bar to it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, um, would you say it's faster than the court process? Almost always now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if you talk about a typical children case, you're probably talking about a year. Yes. Um, if you're talking about a finance case, you may be talking eighteen months to two years. Mm. If you can't reach a just you know, a resolution mm. uh, without help from the judge or whoever. Mm. And again, whilst mediation goes at the pace the couple want it to go at, mm. even 
at the slowest pace, you're probably talking, I don't know, two, three, four, maybe five meetings, probably each month. Mm-hmm. So probably half the length of the court process for children, probably a third or a quarter of the length of the process mm-hmm. for finance. And is it cheap? Again, almost certainly, yeah. 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 Um, where we have clients that pay for their services themselves, um, generally those bills are split between them. Um, so they each contribute, each invest in the process, which is always a good indication that they want to make it work. Um, and generally a typical mediation case might cost you, I don't know, a few thousand pounds. Yeah. You might be talking 10 times that for court process. Yeah. So in terms of success rates, I, I, I suppose that depends on the individuals participating. It does. It does. Yeah. And their engagement and again, the timing thing. Yeah. People come to us as family lawyers, as mediators, as collaborative lawyers in all sorts of different stages of separations. Um, some are ready and want to get on with it. Others are more hesitant, are unsure, are still grieving. And it's a mediator's job to make sure that at that point we have those discussions and at that point they make their decisions because that's not the mediator's job. Mm. They are able and willing voluntarily to make those life decisions that will affect the rest of their lives. Mm. And that's my job, or a mediator's job, to make sure that that process is fair mm. and I can stop the process if I think it's not fair. Mm. They can withdraw from the process at any stage if they think it's not fair mm. because it is always a voluntary process. And sometimes do you have what I would perhaps describe as partial success? Oh, yeah. So do you sometimes resolve certain issues but you're unable to resolve other issues? Everything. Yeah, that's yeah. not uncommon. Yeah. Um, um, you may have a family where you're dealing with money and children, and you may resolve money and not children, yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Or you may resolve, I don't know, for example, what happens to the family home and what happens to child maintenance, mm. but you might not be able to resolve what happens with pensions. Mm. But again, you've narrowed the issues so that the issues they take back to lawyers are discreet. And if they do have to involve the family court, then quicker and cheaper to deal with. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of your sort of commitment to this, yeah. obviously you refresh your training, you yeah. make sure you're yeah. up to the minute with all of the things yeah. that you need to know. Yeah. Uh, and um, I guess mm-hmm. would welcome as many mediation cases as would be available yeah, to you. It's come through the door at any one time. Yeah. But yeah. again, as, as you do the collaborative law and we do other aspects of yes. our legal practice, Again, our diaries um, make various and competing demands of it. So, yes, yeah. yeah. In an ideal world, yes, I would take on every case that came through the door yes. if it was suitable. I mean, I am aware. I am aware that um, you know, on occasions, people enter into mediation. I would say perhaps half-heartedly, oh, yeah. Yeah. on the basis that they can tick a box. It says form. that they've tried yeah. mediation yeah. and get a form so yeah. they can then go on to proceedings. Yeah. And I would have thought those, were, it was quite obvious which clients were perhaps falling into that category. That's one category where it won't be suitable for mediation because yes. generally having done it for all those years that you mentioned earlier on, <laughs> you, you, you get a feel immediately yes. for what the client wants when they present in front of you, whether that's preferably face-to-face, yeah. sometimes by video, less commonly now um, by telephone. That's far from ideal because you can't get a feel for them. Mm. You do often still get referrals, whether from clients or from other lawyers or from whoever, which say, we just want to make an application to court, can we have the form, please? Yes. 
you still have to go through the process and yeah. make sure they know what is available, what yeah. the options, the pitfalls are. Yeah. Do the cases that might not be suitable are where I feel as the manager of the process that someone is going to be vulnerable, that someone is going to be put in a position where it wouldn't be to their advantage. Yes, I was going to Someone you. just wants to bully them. Yeah, I was going to ask you about manipulate the situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah and how go, that's managed. Yeah. The same with every other aspect of work we do. Mm. We have to make sure that we don't make things worse. Mm. Do no harm, mm. basically. And we have to make sure that if people do participate, because it is two people in a room together, generally with me as a sole mediator, that they're not in fear of being open and being able to discuss things with them. But moreover, once the mediator's gone, they go home, that there are no repercussions from decisions or comments they might make in the meetings. And that goes back to what we said, that if there is a safeguarding issue, the clients do still want to mediate, mm. and I think it's suitable, then we can meet them separately. It's called a shuttle mediation. Yeah. So they have separate rooms, come at slightly different times, don't have to meet. But I work between them to try to help them with their issues. Mm. It can work really, really well. Mm. And in a lot of those cases, once they've had a, a shuttle meeting, they will then say, I'm more happy with the process now. I can meet my former partner in a room together next time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there are all sorts of ways, again, tailoring it mm. to the people in front of you and what they need. Mm. Yeah. Really interesting. It, 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 when it works, it works beautifully well. Yeah. I mean, I obviously know about it, but I've never been trained as a mediator. Sure. So I'm interested to hear... Your perspective yeah, on it. Yeah. So, in which case, I'm, I'm not a collaborative lawyer and I haven't done any training. So, yeah. explain the process to me. The feedback yeah. is astonishing. It's good. Yeah. Clients, it clients good. that undertake it absolutely love it. They do. So, tell us why. They do. So, um, again, a bit like you, yeah. uh, you have to go on a residential training course. Yeah. It's quite rigorous, mm -hmm. actually. Um, I would say, really honestly, only people who are pretty experienced in family law yeah. should really try and do it. Yeah. Because like you with mediation, you are pretty much on your own. So when you're in a room with another lawyer and you're helping a client, yeah. um, you've got to be confident enough in your own abilities. And I do think that's quite important. Mm -hmm. uh, so you go on a rigorous training course. You do some role play. You do some... Uh, Dreaded role play. Oh, dear. I hate, hating yeah. role play, but on the other hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you do some role play uh, and you learn about the process. The process, I think, again, originated in America. Mm -hmm. um, it involves um, the two lawyers who are both collaboratively trained, yep. Who have both got clients who want to enter into a collaborative model. That must be a prerequisite. It They've is a got prerequisite. Got to have that, yeah. Yes. Commitment and it, training. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the two lawyers obviously will meet with their clients individually. Uh, we'll work out what the agenda for yeah. the meeting should be. Yeah. Uh, we'll agree that agenda, share yeah. that with the clients, and then on the very first meeting, mm -hmm. um, the key area that has to be discussed is what would be called an anchor statement. Yeah. So at that meeting, you agree what are the key areas for both of those individuals. And is part of that not to agree to go to court? Um, yes. Is that so a bit of a myth? Or? Yeah, well, some of it is. Yeah. Ideally, we'd prefer not to go to court, yeah. but yeah. this is why we're in this process. Yeah. Uh, but um, what's really good about it is that it refocuses people on what is really important to them during their relationship breakdown. Sure. And I would say 90% of the time at the very top of the list 
is that the children should not be harmed by this process. Okay, do no harm. Yes. Through all of this. Yes, it? absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and very often it's quite moving uh, when people uh, sit down and really think mm -hmm. about what is important yeah. to them. And instead of getting involved in a court process on a conveyor belt, moving towards various hearings, mm. uh, it's so important that people realise it's not a conveyor belt. This is a process that we're going to go through, hopefully, to achieve an agreement that will be then converted yep. into a court order yeah. at the end of the day. Um, so, so it's super cooperative. It is. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. Um, and what I found is that when you uh, work with other lawyers in mm. this environment, uh, that there is uh, very much a mutual respect yeah. and that if you do want to make a point that is perhaps a negative point, mm. something's just been said or something you disagree with, mm. you couch it in a certain way so as not to create conflict in the room. Yeah. Uh, and so you're in a room with the other lawyer, their client, your client, mm. Um, you have an agenda that you work to, you go through the agenda. And again, similar to mediation, you will have disclosure of information. Yeah. Uh, there'll be a disclosure process that we will all go through. Uh, we can ask as many questions as we like. We can find out as much information as we like. Mm. And then we would have a second meeting and it is probably more structured than mediation. Yeah. So we'd have the first initial meeting, then we'd have the second meeting. And on the second meeting, you would, um, again, reiterate the anchor statement uh, you would then start the meeting uh, and deal with the issues that need to be talked about. Mm. Uh, quite often have a break. Yep. Quite often uh, certainly provide drinks, yep. sometimes snacks, yep. Yep. to try and make the environment a little bit more friendly. Um, and you will then fairly quickly arrive at those areas that are agreed mm. and mm. that are that, that are where there is still disagreement. It becomes obvious. It, it becomes obvious. Yep. Yep. And sometimes you will then go away and you will seek out professional assistance from perhaps um, an independent financial advisor who you both agree mm. both lawyers all the parties agree is the right person to use like things like mortgages yes borrowing yes uh, yeah. pension as Pensions. well in the one yeah. uh, in in a recent one that i dealt with yeah. um and it's very good as well because if somebody does need support from a other, from another mm. professional, so say they need a psychiatric nurse present because they have mental health difficulties, yeah. um, you can agree that that's an individual who can come into that process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it does mean that whoever is in that process has sufficient support mm. uh, and the level playing field uh, is there. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm very much, um, uh, I feel very positive about the collaborative yeah. process. Yeah. I, can, uh, I can see why clients like it. Yes, because absolutely. they are entirely supported at all times. They are, yeah. yes, and they have their lawyer there. And if they need to break off and go and have a conversation with their lawyer, it's not frowned upon. It's expected. It's expected. Yeah. So it it actually works very nicely. Yeah. Um, and then after that second meeting, mm -hmm. the real aim is to try and get to a point where you're agreeing an outcome. Yeah. And generally speaking, you won't go beyond maybe three meetings. Mm -hmm sometimes to a fourth meeting on certain occasions where you're waiting to get additional information. Or to just dot I's and cross yes. T's. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. the idea is that you will get to a conclusion at meeting three, if possible. And what sort of time scale is as the clients need it? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's more to do with when all the disclosure is in yeah. and you're confident that you have a clear picture, yeah. then you can give advice to the client. And of course, all the way through that process, you are giving advice yeah. as well as having meetings where you share information together. Yeah. 
Um, so um, I think it's very productive if you've got um, two people who are really willing to do this. Yeah. Really, really works well. Very often it works well if there isn't a very large financial disparity. Yeah. Sometimes I think people worry that if if there is perhaps a high wage earner mm. and somebody who's not earning very much that there is a sort of a, a there's a sort of a, a bias yes yeah, an imbalance yeah, yeah. but actually I think that's all part of the process to actually make sure that that isn't how it works out yeah, yeah. Um, and then at the end you will draft an order and on the face of the order uh, it will say that you have been through the collaborative process yeah. uh, and the court is really not intended to interfere with that order no they're intended simply to grant the order because judges will know that by that statement on an order that it's been fully worked out advice has been given throughout and it works for this family yes yeah Yeah. and the anchor statement very often um is one of the things that the the parties take away with them afterwards as as something to use to actually manage future contact arrangements. So it's stuck on the fridge or framed in the downstairs loop. It's a key part of that process. Yeah, so I'm... You're as evangelical about it as I am about mediation. Yeah, I'm very positive about it. Yeah, Yeah, great. And then we've both done some relatively recent training. uh, We have indeed. With this um, new model, um, this thing called that's badged resolution together. We should add the both of you and I are members of this professional body called Resolution. Yes. Um, that promotes a non-confrontational and constructive way of dealing with family disputes. Yes. Um, and again, we went off to fancy London we did. a little while ago uh, to hear about this new model and we're very keen on um, yes. continuing this within our own business yeah. practice. Yeah. So Fiona, help us. Well, I mean, Resolution, I, I noticed the other day, has now been running for 40 years. I saw that, yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's recently been a keynote address by the president of the family division. Yeah, big senior judge. Big senior judge yeah. confirming that Resolution has got some really good ideas. Yeah. And here we are now with another, yeah. what seems to be, very good idea. Prompted, I think, a lot by public demand. Absolutely. I think people are asking for yeah. another way of resolving family disputes. Because of dis- because of delays in the court system because cost because the world is moving on exactly yeah. yes yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, so um in resolution together um uh, if it is an appropriate case for that i yeah. think we should all we should say that that we would have to decide be- that yeah. it is an appropriate yeah. case for that and so then- much as with mediation and collaborative we look at safeguarding make sure right. people are right it's the right time and there's no conflict. Yes, and that's, that's the big thing. That, yeah. That's yeah. right. Or if there is conflict, yeah. um, it, it's the it's it's without getting into sort of too much Litty-dritty, detail about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's not a place where there is a professional conflict. That's right. Um, yeah. As yeah. such. Yeah. Uh, and so um, what would happen is is that be one lawyer appointed. Yeah. Uh, and we would work with a separating uh, couple. Yeah. Uh, when a relationship breaks down. Uh, and again, it's a similar process to the other two processes we've spoken about. There would have to be disclosure. Yeah. There would have to be uh, honesty and openness yeah. in that disclosure process. Yeah. But this differs in that we're not actually acting for these people as right. our clients. Yeah. Or, or negotiating as really yes. as a mediator. Yes. We're advising them. Yes. Yeah. What we're doing is we're giving information. We're advising. Yeah. We're helping to direct a process. Yeah. But we're not actually acting for either of those two individuals. Yeah. We are appointed effectively by those two individuals That's to right. act in this particular model. Yeah. So we have to be careful that we're not um, 
in the collaborative process, I would expect to act for my collaborative client yep. in the mediation process. We, we contact at all or, or advise at all. all. Yeah. So in a way, it's a hybrid. Yeah. Uh, and therefore particularly interesting to both of us. Yeah. I think the advantage that clients see is that they hear and receive the same advice from one person at one time. Yes. Um, and they know, again, because as you've said with collaborative and I've experienced in mediation, you have to have a sufficient level of experience and training. Yes. So they know that the person they're seeing has got that, that they can base their decision and they can trust yes. the advice that they're getting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's a new thing yeah, in a and way. It will, and it will develop. Yes, it yeah. will develop. And I think it's a new thing because historically we would have said that we couldn't, as lawyers, yeah. be advising two people at the same time. Exactly. And that's why there has to be a clear distinction yeah. here that yeah. we are supporting, advising, yeah. but we're not technically acting uh, for either of them. And again, we want to see that develop. And we do. I think over the years to come, it will become very popular. Yes. Yeah. So now I think there's three choices, really, that yeah. people can uh, can make about which would be the most suitable for them. Yeah, as well as the traditional yes. lawyer negotiation or the yeah. court process. Yeah. And we're in a lucky position in that we it, can offer all We can three. offer all of those services. Mm.